Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, this is Doc Huffbauer coming to you for another episode of the Dear Doc Podcast. And I am here in my home studio in Alvin, Texas. We have been joined virtually by Robert Houchin. Now, Robert, um, you are a a semi-retired general dentist and now you do mostly sleep. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about that journey, uh, how long you have been a dentist and uh, where you practice. Okay. I graduated from Georgetown University in 1978, Uh, practiced mostly in California from 78 going forward. Uh, Several years ago, I became involved with uh, a partner who had the um, master lease to do dental offices in Walmart stores. So I spent four or five years constructing dental offices and Walmart stores, ran nine of those offices myself, seven of them in Phoenix, two of them in California. I've owned about 20 practices in California myself. Uh, Six or seven years ago, took a continuing education course that on a lunch break introduced us to something called then uh, Perfect Start. It has morphed into now, it's called Healthy Start. It's treatment of airway issues in children. Um, From there, I developed an interest into treating sleep apnea in adults. Uh, I've taken over the last six years, almost 400 CE units uh, in treatment of sleep apnea, including uh, uh, a mini residency over at UOP. And finally, the mastery course through uh, American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine. Uh, resulting in passing the diplomate exam in uh, July of 2019. So in the state of Texas, you would actually be considered a specialist now. Um, since Is that you, right? Absolutely. Um, the, um, there was a challenge to the Supreme Court or at the Supreme Court level um, for ADA um, specialties. Uh, as far as I know, it, it's, it's beyond the, just the state of Texas now, but um, the implantologist, the um, orofacial pain folks, and I believe the sleep apnea people were there as well, were um, fighting to have their specialty services recognized as a specialty. Um, What ended up happening instead is the Supreme Court said that the ADA could not set the guidelines for a specialty. And as long as someone was, uh, someone had a diplomate from a, um, any kind of, you know, special- Recognized organization. Exactly. And, and as, as long as I believe CODA has to look at their um, standards for re- rewarding a diplomate. But um, very, very big change there. I believe that happened in 2014. I could be wrong there. So you and I started talking uh, a while back because there were some discussions about um, how to defer the greatest portion of taxes from the income that you make. And um, I think I had made a comment about forming a corporation and renting your equipment to yourself. And you said, hey, I do that. And there's more to it than you're even saying, because there's also a 
divestment of liability there as well. Um, talk to us a little bit about the system that you've put into place, and you are now actually gearing up to help other dentists do this nationwide. So talk to us a little bit about what it is you do. Very good. Uh, first of all, let me address uh, for a moment the legality of the situation. Uh, there is, in fact, no patriotic duty to increase your income taxes. In 1934, in Gregory versus Halvering, Judge Learned Hand ruled that anyone may so arrange his affairs that his taxes shall be as low as possible. He is not bound to choose the pattern which will best pay the treasury. There is not even a patriotic duty to increase one's taxes. In 1947, he, he affirmed this said over and over again, the courts have said that there is nothing sinister in so arranging one's affairs as to keep taxes as low as possible. Everybody does so, rich or poor, and all do the right thing, for nobody owes any public duty to pay more than the law demands. This has been reaffirmed by the Supreme Court multiple times. There's a distinction between tax avoidance and tax evasion. Tax avoidance is entirely different, it's perfectly legal, Tax evasion is attempting to avoid or non-pay your taxes after the fact. Tax, tax avoidance involves planning. Tax evasion is, is not. What I did, I, I attended a course about 1987 in the state of Nevada. And what they were advocating was setting up the loser corporation as your home state operating your professional practice and the profit corporation, which is your out-of-state, friendly state corporation that owns all the assets, you pay rent to it, uh, you move all the assets out of the corporation that has potential liability for litigation, and you move the income into a tax-friendly state. Like uh, the Nevada. way the, there's two, <laughs> like Nevada, exactly. And yep. Nevada actually is the state that I used uh, at the time. I've since moved into Wyoming for a number of reasons. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear more the, about the that because I've, I've looked into Nevada and Nevada actually offers, uh, well, first of all, they're very business friendly, but there is no reporting by Nevada of any income that is earned by a company in that state. And there is no requirement to pay either state or federal taxes something to that effect. It kind of floored me. I've been looking into it over the last week or so. You, you do legally have to pay federal taxes in the state of Nevada. Nevada does not, however, report to IRS. They're the only state that does not report to the IRS. Gotcha. So, so you can not report and state of Nevada won't report you, but that doesn't eliminate the possibility of being caught. Right. Interesting though. Very uh -huh. interesting. Very interesting. Nevada, at the time that I set up my corporation in Nevada, Nevada and Wyoming were the two states in the United States that had something called bearer shares. Bearer shares were the property of the person who physically had custody of them. So in the, the recommendation was at the time, in the instance of litigation, you put your shares into a manila envelope. As you walk up to the stand, you hand the envelope to the bailiff and you say, would you hold these for me for a while? And you get up and you testify and the question is, are you the owner of the corporation? And the legal answer is no. As you get off of the stand, you ask the bailiff to hand you back your envelope, which he does. And uh, you were thereby uh, evading the question on, on that grounds. 
Uh, this came to be viewed as, um, uh, after the fact, illegal transfer of assets. Mm -hmm. uh, which, which well, I, it, I imagine which there would have been tax liabilities involved by doing it, right? As long as, uh, you know, as long as you became the owner by the end of the year, which, you know, the, the, the bailiff owned it for an hour, uh, no particular issues there. Uh, but it did become it did become uh, questionable whether that was or was not uh, illegal transfer of assets after litigation begins, which, in fact, it is. Uh, so in 2007, that that ceased, the, the, both states shut down their bearer share laws. Uh, but what I did, and, and the two ways that you can do this was to transfer your assets into the Nevada Corporation and then uh, have, a, have a loan against those assets, which you could charge yourself any amount of interest. Nevada has no usury laws, so you could charge yourself 200% interest if you chose to. Very nice. Uh, thereby, thereby sucking the profits out of your California for-profit uh, professional corporation. Uh, the other way was to was to own the assets in the Nevada Corporation and lease them, uh, and this is what I do. Uh, I, I lease the assets, and I I, I transfer uh, ownership of the leasehold improvements, the equipment, uh, er, everything that could be considered an asset. I transfer it into the out-of-state corporation and lease it back to myself. Interesting. You know, there's there are so many little hidden tricks, um, some of them not even that hidden, that we as dentists, as high earners, we should be aware of. Um, you know, to me, one of the one of the most obvious is the Augusta rule, you know, where you can absolutely yes. held meetings in your house and they're tax free. I mean, it's like just giving yourself a gift of that money. Talk to us a little bit. It sounds like you've done quite a bit of research into a lot of this. Talk to us about some of the things that your fellow dentists may not know about um, that they should to minimize the amount of taxes that they, they legally have to pay. Well, the Augusta strategy is certainly one of them. There's something called a Section 199A QBI uh, deduction that small businesses can take or S Corp. Well, actually all small businesses, but S Corp has a particularly unique uh, situation in that that deduction is transferred as a S corporation being a pass-through entity, mm. that deduction goes into your personal tax return. Uh, you have all kinds of various healthcare strategies that you can use, one of which allows you to take a 50% tax credit, not a tax deduction, mm -hmm. a tax credit for 50% of the funds that you pay on your employees' healthcare uh, policies. So I'm, I'm going to actually have you explain credits and above the line and below the line deductions and why those are important. Okay. The difference between a tax deduction, a tax deduction simply reduces the amount of your profit or taxable income. A tax credit pays a part of your net tax liability. So if you have a thousand dollar tax deduction, it saves you 40% in taxes. If you have a $1,000 tax credit, it saves you $1,000 in tax payments. Excellent. So the tax credit is more valuable than the tax deduction. Absolutely, as is above the line versus below the line. 
your above the line right. deductions are going to be worth more than your below the line because there's a cap on that. So right. um, one of the strategies that um, my family has partaken of is there's a way. Uh, now, I wasn't able to do this with my practice because I sold it to a, um, a, pub, uh, a corporate entity that did not like, did not like. doing it. Um, but um, you can actually have the proceeds of the sale go into a trust. Now, this actually costs you money to maintain the trust, and so you're going to lose some money there. But you don't pay taxes on the profit of the sale until the end of the trust. And you actually take out a loan against that to fund yourself 100% of the proceeds. And then you take out an insurance policy, and the insurance policy expires at the end of the trust, paying off all of the taxes. It is one of the most beautiful, brilliant things I've ever seen, but so many dentists don't know about these structures. That's, that's a fact. And there's also, there's also a way to uh, build a LLC into your uh, IRA account, Roth IRA account, okay? And have the LLC own your startup dental business and that puts you then put the profits from your dental business into your Roth IRA. And, and at the end of your practicing career, the sale proceeds go into your Roth IRA, which are also distri distributable as a non-tax entity. So there's, there's more than one way to do exactly what you just talked about. What you, what you were just talking about lends itself very well to someone your age because you can get the money out while you're still young. Exactly. The, Roth IRA, the Roth IRA works very well for me because I'm well past 59 and a half. And so I can draw the money out. So what are some of the, well, first of all, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about where people can go to find out more about these things. Um, for me, I just paid some financial advisors a good deal of money. I always, uh, once a year, I have my tax attorney meet with my CPA and he, they all meet with my financial advisor and they strategize because none of them can keep up 100% with the changes in the tax law or different, different modalities that have emerged in the past year. And so having all three of them on board, even though it costs me a pretty penny at this, to, to have them talk to each other, it saves me so much in the long run in taxes. So I, I don't know if you had things set up in a similar fashion, you just learned from them or if you did the research yourself. Actually, I've had to do most of the research myself, and it's interesting you should bring this up because I just had this conversation this morning in another Facebook blog, uh, Paul Goodman's blog. Um, they were talking about you, you have to consult with your attorneys and your CPAs and those kinds of things. And I have, I have had to, throughout my career, teach my CPAs and attorneys any number of these types Absolutely. of issues by by doing the research myself, because as you point out, they simply can't keep up with, with the changes. Uh, so you, so you really have to do your own research. There's all things, all kinds of, there's all kinds of things you can do with retirement plans out of a, out of the, out of your S corporation, your out of state corporation, you can pay your spouse and your children with on 1099s without taking uh, social security or Medicare deductions. You can also pay uh, you your can, children as models. If yes. You have your, 
your children come in and they take photos, you can pay them as models because they're underage. They keep all the money. They don't have to pay, have to pay any taxes. Up to $12,000 is not taxed. Uh, we have actually a list of 32 different things you can have your children do uh, that, that uh, you, you have to be able to justify to the IRS why you paid them. Excellent. There's, uh, there's, as you point out, there's qualified, qualified accountable plans that allow you to deduct part of your home office. You can even deduct part of your automobile expenses. Those are all, those are all tax-free benefits to you. You can actually purchase a beach home. And as long as you rent it to your staff more days per year than you use it yourself, you can pay the cost of that home 100% tax deductible from your business. And after 10 years, you can transfer ownership to yourself again with no tax consequences. I had no idea. That's a beautiful one. Now, is that in every state or is that a national? Is that a sir, that's federal. That's, that's, that's federal law, well, yes, sir. See, I'm getting to learn some cool stuff. There you so, go. What, what are your thoughts on the, um, on the conservation easement? I know that it's come under some fire in recent years. Uh, that's actually one that's, uh, that's beyond my frame of reference. Okay. Well, con conservation easement, basically, um, you take some money with a group of people and you purchase a piece of land and you dedicate that land to conservation of it. So it can't be developed. It is then valued at the potential for development. And so you get a tax credit based upon the potential value rather than the real realized value. So let's say it was a board, you, know, you, you purchased some forest land and you had it valued because it was next to say some high rises. Well, it would be valued at millions and millions of dollars because potentially that could be the value of the property if it were developed. And you actually get tax credits based upon that assumed value. Understood. Really, really. So, cool. you, so you're taking, you're taking, you're taking a tax valuation that's a multiple of your actual investment, and then getting, and then getting a tax credit, which ends up being a multiple of your investment exactly. as well. Yep, I'm, 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 I'm guessing you're going to look into that one after this podcast. I would say that's a fact. <laughs> well, um, where can people go? And obviously you're starting up a business that's going to help teach dentists these things, right? Where can people go to find out more about this kind of stuff on their own? Uh, basically, you just do the research on the, on the topics that we've discussed. You know, what is an S corporation? What are the advantages and disadvantages of owning an S corporation? Uh, look up the healthcare strategies. Uh, look up your retirement plan strategies, SEP IRAs, 401ks, all, uh, Roth IRAs, those types of things. Uh, do the research on hiring family uh, through an S corporation. What, you know, what can be done, how that's done. Look up Augusta strategy, look up qualified accounting plans, look up uh, QBIs, qualified business uh, income deductions. Um, Look up the beach home right off. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what I'll be looking so, <laughs> There you go. There you go. And you, you know, you can send me an email. I'll send you the. I'll send you the stuff on that. Fantastic. Now, one of the things I'd like to point out, um, in the always contentious political space, a lot of people worry that some of these strategies will be 
implemented and then will disappear with the coming of a new regime. And that does, in fact, happen sometimes. But what I've seen more than anything is in the time that I've been looking into this and, and, and using them myself, um, is that most people who are in Congress, that's why these laws were created. It was for them. And they're not getting rid of their pet, their, their pet laws because they're actually using it to build their fortunes while they're in Congress. Has your exactly. I was going to say, so your experience has been similar. Yes. Well, for example, uh, they've just been complaining. The GOP has been complaining about the fact that Joe Biden did exactly this. He used an S corporation to do his his use to receive his speaker funds. And he had uh, something like seven or eight million dollars worth of uh, income. And he didn't pay Social Security or Medicare taxes on that income. Mm -hmm. Is passed through through his S corporation as a distribution from his S corporation, and he didn't pay Medicare and he didn't pay Social Security. Uh, so yes, these things were he may designed. be smarter than I gave him credit for. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Um, <laughs> or he had some good advisors, right? Which which does bring us to my my final question here, and that is, obviously, it's important to surround yourself with smart people, but smart people. Yeah who are good enough at their jobs that they don't think they know everything and are willing to listen and are willing to look into things for you. So for me, I like to call my CPA my tax strategist rather than my tax preparer. If you have someone who's just talking to you once a year and at once a year is, hey, here's how much taxes you owe, you don't have a tax strategist. Exactly. Yeah. You ta there's a there's a diff if you're going to just use a tax preparer, you might as well go to H&R Block. Absolutely. Okay? If you're going if you're going to have a tax strategy, then you need to involve your CPA, your your attorneys uh, and, and your consultants. And, and the thing is, is that having that team does keep you safe, but you can't expect them to know everything. A good right. team of an, a tax attorney, not just your Uncle Bob, who's a who's a lawyer, a tax attorney a CPA who is a tax strategist and someone who's going to be a, your estate planner. Having those three people work together on the same team is super important because all of those people have a fiduciary responsibility. Right. Your guy over at H&R Block doesn't have a fiduciary. They're just a person who fills out some papers, but these people are professionals and their licenses literally depend on them being able to defend the decisions that they help you to make on your behalf. So I'd urge everyone to find a good team like that. Um, Robert, where would you start looking? How would you start looking? You've obviously been at this a year or two longer than I have, my friend. A couple couple days, yes. Uh, well, like I said, you know, uh, if, if you need a list of places to look, tell them to send me an email. I'll be happy to provide that. Uh, they, you know, some, someone can choose or not choose to uh, employ me as a consultant, uh, but I'll be happy to help them out with, with pointing people in the right direction. That's one of the things that I love about what you do. When I went into dentistry 50 years ago, I thought dentistry was going to be this giant fraternity where we all got together and helped each other. And it turned out to be one of the biggest packs of cutthroat bastards I ever encountered in my life. Okay. <laughs> I but can't what say I disagree. But what you do, I appreciate the heck out of what you do because you bring together a community of docs that are looking to help each other out. And I, I love what you do. I applaud what you do. And I want to say thank you. 
Robert, thank you so much. That, that really means a heck of a lot coming from you. Um, I, um, I, I got into doing this because I almost died from a dental infection and I felt that I owed dentistry a life. And I, I feel as at this point that I've, I've paid back that debt. I, I feel like I've, I've done what I needed to do to help dentistry because it helped me, you know? Um, but it, it's very gracious of you to say that. So Robert, if they want to get in touch with you and would like to hire you as a consultant, I know I'm throwing you, th throwing you in front of the bus on this one because you've just, <laughs> um, do you have a website or something like that that they can go to? Um, do you have the, the, the website is under construction. So I, I would recommend just, you know, uh, PM me from, from your, from your blog and uh, we'll get in touch and uh, I'll fix you up. Fantastic. And if they want to reach you by email, Email is RJ Houchin, just simply my name with the initials RJ in front of it at gmail.com. Fantastic. Well, guys, you've wasted another half hour of your life listening to the sound of my voice. Hopefully you've gotten something of value from this. And uh, hopefully some of you guys reach out to Robert and he can help you to save a mint in taxes. Robert, thank you again thank you for again. your time. I look forward to talking to you again soon, my friend. Very good. Likewise. Have a good day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.